0: Ezekiel chapter 3. I'm just going to read verses 16 through 27 of your Bibles are open now. Now it came to pass at the end of 7 days that the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, hear a word from my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give them and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked From his wicked way to save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Yet, if you warn the wicked, and he does not turn from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. Again, when a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die, because you did not give him warning. He shall die, and his sin and his righteousness which he has done shall not be remembered, but his blood I will require at your hand. Nevertheless, if you warn the righteous man that the righteous should not sin, and he does not sin, he shall surely live, because he took warning. Also you will have delivered your soul. Then the hand of the Lord was upon me there, and he said to me, Arise, go out into the plain, and there I shall talk with you. So I arose and went out. Out into the plain, and behold, the glory of the Lord stood there, like the glory which I saw by the river Chebar. And I fell on my face. Then the spirit entered me and set me on my feet and spoke with me and said to me, "Go, shut yourself inside your house. And you, O son of man, surely they will put ropes on you and bind you with them so that you cannot go out among them. I will make your tongue cling to the roof of your mouth so that you shall be mute, not uh, and mute, not be able to rebuke them." Uh, and not be one to rebuke them, for they are a rebellious house. But when I speak with you, I will open your mouth, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God, He who hears, let him hear, and he who refuses, let him refuse, for they are a rebellious house. If you're taking notes uh, tonight, I've titled our time in God's Word, The Way of a Watchman. The Way of a Watchman. And we'll look at three things here in the text, as is my custom, watching, warning, and waiting. Watching, warning, and waiting. We know that Ezekiel, after he has seen this uh, incredible glory of the Lord... He sits astonished, we saw that in the verse where we left off last week in verse 15, he sits astonished for seven days, I think I would be astonished for seven days too if I actually saw the glory of the Lord uh, come down out of heaven and all of its power and all of its uh, glory and and, uh, and the gravity of it all as well, knowing that uh, God has told him that judgment is coming, I'm going to be sending you to a, uh, a rebellious house, a house that uh, will not listen. And, um, you know, we have a lot of those parallels uh, here today. As I mentioned on Sunday, those of you that were here, um, you know, in 1990, we had uh, 47% of Americans regularly attended church. Today, in 2014, it's 25%. And that doesn't even mean that 25% 25 are born again saved following Christ uh that you know going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than being in a car being in the garage makes you a car uh nevertheless uh we we think that uh for the most part uh, when people really do know the Lord they want to go and gather with other believers and they want to be under the word and and less and less of our own nation is interested in that uh and not, that's been going on in Europe now for i don 't know how long now as Europe has gone further and further and further away. I remember when I was in in the u k two years ago I mean it was hard to tell that uh, it's hard to believe uh, when I went into Westminster Abbey and and I see you know the name of David Livingston right there on uh, he's buried there, and you realize that um you know so many great men charles spurgeon and uh you know all, all the great Men that have come uh, and women too, that have come out of the u k and uh, now uh, very very uh, humanistic, godless society, yes, there 's still believers there, thankfully, uh, but it 's less and less and less and and God sends uh, his servants to people that don 't want to hear it uh, israel in the in the case of Israel. Uh, they're not just the United States or Great Britain. They're Israel. <laughs> I mean, think about it. They, this is uh, Their forefathers were Moses. Their forefathers were Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. I mean, if they won't listen to God, who will? Right? You think about it doesn't take that many generations uh, for a people to just fade away. And so it's, it's not that hard to see how America in just the last 24 years, and I would say even more so in the last 10 to 15, has really accelerated in just becoming less and less and less uh, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear from God. I, don't, that, uh, I got better things to do. Uh, if there was ever a time we should want to hear from God, we're living in it. People will see this, uh, they will come to realize, uh, many people will, that uh, maybe I should. Uh, I, I really think we're going to see a day in our lifetime where people will run to find a Bible. We all will basically have two groups, one that won't, even if you try to want to see it, but then others that will say, I need to know what's going on here. And so all this will come to Israel too. We're going to get further as we go uh, into uh, the things that the Lord's going to give to Ezekiel. But someday these things that Ezekiel will, is telling the household of Judah, remember that Israel had been broken up, the ten tribes of the north had already been carried off to Assyria, and then you've got Judah and Benjamin. But those that are still there, uh, they will eventually come to see that, that God is telling the truth that these things are coming, that judgment really will come, that He's given a lot of patience. Isn't God a patient God? Doesn't He give us a lot of chances? Individually and collectively. Not just, not just America, but, but you and me every single day. I mean, He's just a very patient, loving, gracious God. But we want to look uh, tonight at what it is that Ezekiel is called to do uh, his responsibility uh, that God has given him. And really, we have the same ones in our own life, uh, to watch, to warn, uh, to wait on the Lord. We have these same, uh, we have these same uh, commands that God has given us. And thankfully, he's given us the Holy Spirit to help keep them because if we didn't have the Holy Spirit, we didn't have grace, you and I would fail way more than we already do. Matter of fact, we wouldn't have any successes, but thanks for the Lord, He helps us to do these things. Well, at the seven days, uh, the Lord comes to Ezekiel, son of man, I've made you a watchman. Now, many of you, you've, uh, how many of you have traveled to the Middle East or Israel? Anyone, anyone at all? Okay, so some of you have. You've seen the ancient walls that are around those cities, and you know, if you go to Jerusalem, they're still the, uh, part of the ancient walls um, Although most of those have been rebuilt, you know, post the time of Christ, uh, in the Middle Ages and other parts of the uh, of of the history there, but you'll still see, generally speaking, all throughout history, the ancient cities all had these walls around them, and then there was towers where uh, the watchmen would be, and they would be looking out. To, uh, You'd, you'd have to have people that would man the night watch. We even still have these terms, right? Uh, even today these still uh, are familiar to us. The night watch that the watchman would be, but you'd have the daytime. Somebody would have to be watching at all time because cities were attacked and you had someone had to be warning. Someone had to be looking out, giving the call. Well, in the Old Testament, or the Tanakh uh, for the Hebrew, uh, you have four different terms in the Old Testament that are used for this Word watchman. Um, And the four different terms, um, all of them uh, have the same sense of urgency as far as being aware, all four of them. But they're not all the exact same term. This one is specifically what we would think of as that watchman up on a wall uh, looking out. And the term here that's used is Safa, and it means to. it means to look out, to spy out, to keep watch, to observe, to, to be able to look out across the horizon what's coming. And it's important that um I'm sorry, the, the first that one, uh that one is actually, that word is actually used in Psalm 127, one. It's also used in Song of Solomon. It's not the one used here. The one in Song of Solomon though it says this, the watchmen that go about the city found me. So Safa is one of the four Hebrew words and that one refers to almost like a watchman like we would consider uh, police that that wa- walk the city they're looking for people that, that uh, are going to encounter danger they're looking for breaches of security, things like that. So you could think about uh, the police officer on the night shift. That's what uh, is mentioned in Song of Solomon verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 3. It's also found in Psalm 127, 1, the verse where unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain to build it. And the watchman that's mentioned in that verse uh, is this word Safa, which means to look out or to spy out. And it's almost kind of equivalent to what we would have as a policeman. The word that is used here, um To keep guard, or to keep watch, or to ward, or to protect. Uh, this word here is similar to what we find in Second Samuel chapter eighteen, verses twenty-four and twenty-five, and it says, "And David sat between the two gates, and the watchman went up to the roof over the gate under the wall, lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man running, and the watchman cried and told the king." So this is the word that the Lord is speaking. Uh, Specifically to Ezekiel, that I've made you a watchman up on a wall. And it would be appropriate that this would be the one that would be used. There's the other, we won't get into the other ones, but uh, what's going to happen is remember that Jerusalem still has not been leveled by Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, It has been raided twice, uh, but it has not been leveled to the ground. So, in essence, Ezekiel is god's final century if you will standing on he's not even in jerusalem right he's all the way over in babylon but the lord says you are going to stand on the wall if you will and you're the one that's going to warn everyone that these walls are coming down that eventually they're coming down that Israel is going to be, or uh, Jerusalem, in this particular case, Judah and Jerusalem are going to be overrun. And so these are the things that are coming. But he's telling him you're the watchman on the wall. You're the one saying, Babylon is coming. (laughs) Danger is coming. You're going to be the one to say these things. And you and I, though, uh, we also are called to be watchmen, aren't we? We are called to be a watchman for our own walk, aren't we? Just our own walk. A watchman for those we've been given stewardship of, those of you that have children. You've been, you're a watchman for them. You're having to look out for the things that are coming against them. And you have to look out for the things that are coming against you. We're a watchman for those around us, saved and unsaved. We actually are our brother's keeper. That's what the scriptures tell us. We're a watchman for our neighbor that may not know Christ, our coworker that may not know Christ, and a watchman for our brothers and sisters that do know the Lord. We're a watchman for others as well. The Bible has much to say about watching it's not just for ezekiel it's for us too he was given his command to watch but we all have our command to be on watch as well in habakkuk 1 5 it says look among the nations and watch be utterly astounded how many of you are looking among the nations right now i am I've been watching the nations closely since the day I got saved back in 1995, and I've seen some ebbs and flows and turns, but I also see that the clarity of where the riverbed's going to end up is getting clearer and clearer to me. I hope it is to you. Daniel said at the end of his writing, remember he's a contemporary of Ezekiel, that the wise would understand. Doesn't mean that we know everything, right? I don't know everything about my car, but I understand how to use it. And we understand what's happening because we're watching. And we're not just watching, we're watching with the eyes of Scripture. We don't have to make stuff up, we just say, wow. Look among the nations, watch. You'll be utterly astounded. We will be astounded by the things that continue to take place. Matthew twenty four forty two. Jesus said this: "Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming." Jesus said to watch. He told us to watch. He told us we must watch. We don't know. None of us do know when Jesus would come back. Um, I, I had a pastor uh, that I, I saw a quote from the other day, and he said, "You know, if you if you knew judgment was coming next week, would you do anything differently?" We need to be watching. Lord, what do you want me to be doing? Aware that Jesus really could return. And Mark 13, verses 36 and 37, uh, our Lord said this, lest coming suddenly He find you sleeping. And what I say to you all, I say to all, watch! Exclamation point. That's Jesus again. Those are those red letter words of Christ. Jesus again saying, lest I come find you sleeping, watch. We doze off so easy, don't we? In, in, in real life as well as spiritually. You know? We get tired. Just going to lay down on the couch for just a second. Right? Just, just five minutes. Sometimes it's not more than... Sometimes it's a lot longer than five minutes, isn't it? Where's the remote? Shh. Just to rest, right? And I understand, and and we, you know, we we do need rest, but spiritually speaking, we can fall asleep spiritually. And Jesus says, "Watch." Turn real quick with you to Revelation chapter three. I want to see, I want you to see it with your own eyes. Sometimes I can read verses to you, and that's great, uh, but it's also good to see Jesus say it. So, Revelation, we know it's the last book of the Bible here, but. We know what it's also called. It's called the revelation of who? Jesus Christ. The revelation of Jesus Christ. The final unveiling of everything that He felt we should know. doesn't mean it's everything. It's the things that He said, these are the things, John, I want everyone, write these down. I want These are the final things I once said. But look what He says in Revelation chapter 3. Verse 2, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain. Be watchful. Strengthen the things that remain. Look at verse 3. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard and hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I came upon you. Jesus said to be watchful, and you better be watching. We have to watch our spiritual walk. We have to watch what's going on around us. We have to watch for uh, the signs that He's given us, the signs of the time, those things that are mentioned and told for our admonishment in the Scripture, all of these things. Now turn over to Revelation 16. Revelation 16, look at verse 15. Now this is an interesting uh, passage because if you are familiar with the book of Revelation you go for all, all the way back, you've got to go all the way back to uh, chapter 3 where you have red letter words from Jesus. Then you'll go all the way through chapter 4 all the way till you get to Revelation 16 and then there's an insert of Jesus Himself speaking In the 16th chapter, and look what it says in verse 15, Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garment, lest he walk naked, and they see his shame. I think Jesus takes this whole watching thing very, very serious, don't you? See, it's not just Ezekiel that's the watchman. You and I are called to be watchmen for our walk for those that we've been given stewardship, for those around us. The, many people around you aren't watching, so that's why you have a watchman, right? The rest of the city's asleep. Somebody has to be awake, and it has to be us, amen? And I don't mean just us in this room, but we're, we're going to be at the Iron Sharpens Iron Conference on Saturday. It's a thousand men from, I don't know, 80-some churches now or so. So we're not the only ones called to watch, but I mean, we as believers are all called to be those watching. Matthew twenty six forty one, Jesus says, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. There's another reason we have to watch, because we can enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. It's very weak. We have to watch. We have to stay watching our eyes fixed upon Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, but watching the things that come around us. We're not, we're not ignorant, as the Bible says. We're not ignorant of Satan's devices. We know how he attacks us, and we're able to watch for him. We're told to be good soldiers in Christ. Some of you, I look out here, I know some of you were in the military. After you've been trained, you know which things to watch for. I'm not the sharpest tack out there. And yet I know how Satan attacks me. Do you know how he attacks you? I'm sure you do by now, but you have to be watchful for these things. You have to have the whole armor of God. You're watching. You're aware. Say A lot of the things that happen to us, they're not happenstance. We have to immediately recognize those. Hold on, that's not an accident. It's an attack. And then when you start to recognize an attack and you just pray, all of a sudden your own anxiety can flee. It's a great thing. But if you react to it like everybody else does, just start swinging. It doesn't help you any. The watchman on the wall, Ezekiel, he's going to be measured. He's looking for things that God has warned. So this is what I want you looking for, but when you see them, give the warning call. Get everybody ready. In Acts chapter Twenty verses thirty and thirty-one. Paul gave this statement: Also from among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years that I did I did not cease to warn everyone night and day. By the way, there's Paul both being a watchman and a warning guy in the same text. False prophets. One of the things that I'm called to do as a pastor is I have to be a watchman for false doctrine. And there's a lot of it out there these days. A lot of it. And many Christians are following after things that are false, that, we, that will lead to destruction in their life, that will lead to, you know, the, this whole word faith stuff, it's not scriptural. You know? If it was, I, I would just talk a lot of things right into existence and out of existence but you can't do that we go to the lord for these things we go to the lord uh and and our motives have to be pure they can't be covetous they can't be about i want to be rich and famous and celebrity and all these kind of things these are not these are not biblical doctrines these are the doctrines of men but there's many things out there that paul is speaking of many things that would be false Peter said in 1 Peter 4, 7, but the end of all things at hand, therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. So our prayer life is to be watchful. Watching over others. How many pray for other people in your prayer life? You're watching over them. Because at the end, things will get serious, is what Peter says. <laughs> the end of all things at hand, therefore be serious. Um, when, when real difficulty comes... We're going to need people that are prayer warriors that can really be watchful in prayer. We need to be practicing these things now. Uh, Paul said in 2 Timothy 4-5, but be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist. Be watchful in all things. Are we watching? Are you watching? Am I watching? Are we watching uh, for what's going on around us? Are we aware of satan's attacks are we watching on behalf of other people are we watching what's unfolding in prophecy and in the world stage it's important that we know these things Uh, we have an opportunity Uh, i I, i'm amazed at the opportunities that we get when people are troubled by things i was talking to one of the brothers here sunday and i said um we we were talking after the service i said you know i said it's good that you know what's happening, and, and you can actually present it from Scripture. He said, yeah, I got this guy I've been inviting, and, and, uh, and uh, he's just fascinated and obsessed with what's this missing airplane. And a lot of people are. I think some of the stations are covered like 24-7 round the clock. Uh, and that, and it, that makes sense because any of us that have ever flown, it's a horrifying thought to either go down on an airplane or be hijacked. Neither one of them are scenarios that you really want to find yourself in. Either one, right? But we know that, uh, that the days in which we're living, that things will wax worse and worse. And, and uh, you think about what I'd what I like to zero in on is, is something like that. Say, all right, uh, let's say this really is a terrorist activity, which I believe it is. You know, we'll, we'll find out eventually, but I believe that it is. I, th- I thought it was within you know the 24 hours after seeing it. I just felt like, that's kind of odd. Two false passports, a couple of, you know, those things just don't add up. But you look at something like that, and the bigger thing is, and I talk to um, Americans, and I'll say, you know, while we are busy doing all kinds of other things there are people planning evil for months weeks and years in advance i know that, that that doesn't seem to that doesn't seem to register in the minds of people who are thinking about when's the next big movie coming out and that uh, i, I want to download 10 more songs for my itunes and and all these really important things but the reality is, sin is real. And we're a watchman for people that aren't watching. To explain to them, say, look, evil exists. And it's... Let's look at warning. Kind of, I'm getting ahead of myself. When I say to the wicked... Um, when I say to the wicked... You shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked in his way to save his life. That same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I'll require at your hand. Wow, there's a statement from God, huh? Ezekiel, here's the deal. When I say the wicked, turn, but you don't tell him, Blood's on your hands. And again, when a righteous man uh, he uh, goes on to say, uh, sorry sorry, verse 19, yet if you warn the wicked and he does not turn from his wickedness nor, uh, his, uh, nor from his wicked way, uh, he shall die in his own iniquity, but you've uh, delivered your own soul." Verse 20, again when, I, uh, when a righteous man turns from his righteousness and becomes and commits iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die because he did not. Uh, you did not give him warning. He shall die in his sin and his trust and his righteousness which he has done shall not be remembered. But his blood I will require at your hand. So whether it's someone who's, this is why the ministry of a pastor. Notice he says, and when a righteous man turns from a righteousness and I lay a stumbling block. My job as a pastor whether people are walking in righteousness or not walking in righteousness, I have the same command to preach the whole counsel of God. This is is one of the big problems we have is a lot of times people assume that everyone is doing fine so we don't need to preach the heavy stuff of Scripture anymore. And God says, where in the world did you get that idea? Because righteous people turn away from righteousness all the time. True? That's why we get the words backslidden, falling away, apostasy, all of these things are in the Scriptures. They're still in your Bibles. They've never been taken out, and that's why every pastor is still called to preach the whole counsel of God, not just because, well, I think everyone is doing great, so I'm not going to preach that stuff anymore. No. We have to preach all the warnings of the Scriptures. Warning the wicked? No. No. People that are born again and say they're not the wicked now. They're the redeemed, they're the righteous, they're walking the Lord. But we warn the wicked, but we also continue to warn the righteous so righteous people don't turn back to the world. This is why scriptures say only a dog returns to its vomit. Right? We, we want to make sure that we turn people away from going back to sin and we want to turn people away from sin. And the Lord is making it clear that not only will the individual decision maker be held accountable, each person decides that they want to accept or reject the call of God. Their blood is on their own hands, but it also is then on those of us who know the truth, and we're not willing to share it. Uh, By the way, we've all been guilty of this one, haven't we? Aren't you glad for Grace? There was no mention of grace here to Ezekiel, was there? (laughs) It was just, here's the deal. (laughs) You flinch, blood's on your hand. Uh, I I really like the new covenant because I have missed the ball as a prophet many times. I mean, it was like a tee ball set up there for me, and all I had to do was take a wiffle bat and I could have hit it. And, I, and I've chosen to not step up to the plate at times. We've all been guilty of that. Thankfully, we have the new covenant of Jesus Christ. But the command is still there that to go into all the world and preach the gospel. To every creature, not just the ones that we think are going to receive it well. The ones that we think, well, I'm, I've, I figured this out. I think that this person will actually receive this. So I'm going to say it to them. This person, not so sure, so I'm not going to say a word. We've never been responsible for the result. Ever. Anywhere in Scripture. I use Noah a lot. Noah was not responsible. He, mo- he was the least successful evangelist ever. If he's responsible, Noah, the whole world fell. Not a, you couldn't get any neighbor to get on the boat, not one neighbor. That ought to make you feel good when you invite people to church and they they say, no, I'm not interested. Well, if you've done this for 100 years, then you can feel bad. But if you haven't gone that far yet, just continue to invite them. In grace, say, I just want to invite you. Come hear the Word of God. Or, I bought you this video. Or, here's a book I bought you. Yes, it probably goes straight to the wastebasket. We understand that. God will pull it back out and put it back on their counter. But we're responsible for warning. You know, the other prophets, um, some of the other prophets, for example, Habakkuk and Jeremiah, and Ezek- uh, Jeremiah, Habakkuk, and Isaiah, for example, uh, those prophets, those three that I mentioned, uh, their, prophecy, their warning to people was primarily national. It was primarily a national warning. Now Ezekiel has a lot of national warning, but he also has quite a bit of specific personal. And you'll see that where the Lord's speaking to him uh, in saying him or his, as opposed to speaking to the nation here. God is speaking to every individual heart in Jerusalem. God speaks to nations but we see here that God is always wanting to warn the individual. Each single soul is precious to the Lord. Now when you and I warn as we're called to do Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4.14 I do not write these things to shame you but as my beloved children I warn you. How many of you warn your kids? If you love them I hope you do. Especially the two-year-old that you know is approaching the gas stove, well, he'll figure it out. No, <laughs> we warn because we love people. Now that's not the way that the world generally receives warning, but that's the way we should come. We should come very humble, very compassionate in our warning. We're not. We're not beating people over the head. They're not going to stand before you or me on Judgment Day anyway. We're just simply saying, this is what God wants me to let you know. Paul said in Colossians 128, him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. If you didn't notice, it says every man three times. Every man Every man, every man needs warning. Every man needs warning. Every man. I used to work for Bill Gates, not directly. It was a few lo- ways up the ladder from me. But Bill Gates, <laughs> he just returned th- uh, last week. I saw, or two weeks ago, he returned to the number one spot on Forbes' richest people in the world. He still needs warning. From someone that can get close enough to love him, he needs to be warned. I was told, I don't know if it's true, um, but I, I've been told that, as a matter of fact, I read it in an article that was a time where he, because he he's got a genius IQ, he could actually quote, he went to a Christian school when he was younger, uh, back in high school, uh, but he could quote large portions of the New Testament word for word. But he doesn't believe any of that stuff if you read any articles about him he, doesn't, he doesn't, doesn't have much of a religious faith at all he needs warning doesn't he what will it profit a man if he gains the entire world if you get number one on Forbes list and you and Warren Buffett shuffle back and forth in the top two spot with Slim down there in Mexico every now and then but what does it matter can't take any of it with you. Everyone needs warning. Individuals need it. Nations need it. Families need warning. Church people need warning, don't they? We need to, war- I need warning. I love when God warns me. I, I, I haven't said it in a while, but it bears saying again, we need to cultivate in us the attitude that says, Lord, did I, boy, did I need to hear that. Because God loves us in warning us, and we're to be the same way to others. Many times, though, people don't want to be warned, do they? He's already warned uh, Ezekiel that they will not hear. They'll refuse you. They're a rebellious house. Again, seems kind of futile, Lord. I'm going to go out and present what everything you're saying, but you've already told me they're not going to listen. People don't want to be warned. Interestingly enough, though, they usually just don't want to be warned about things that involve eternity, spiritual things, or truth related. People will accept warning about all kinds of other stuff. You can warn them about, say, oh, don't invest in that company. Really? Tell me. Let's have a cup of coffee. I want to know more about this. Oh, don't buy that lawnmower. Why? I saw 56 not-likes on on Facebook about it. Don't buy that crockpot. People will listen to that stuff immediately, won't they? Oh, don't don't follow after that. That's really dangerous. It's full of wickedness and concussion. Who are you to judge me? I'm going do whatever I want to do. We'll talk about crockpots, but we're not talking about that stuff. I talk about the important things, like what's in Consumer Reports. But all the things that America needs to be warned about. I was watching uh, Joel Rosenberg on Sunday Night Live from um, Idlewild Baptist down in Tampa. And uh, he was talking about um, pure... Purim, which is uh, uh, where they celebrate the Jews survived, uh, and actually not survived, but triumphed over remember Haman was going to have all the Jews killed there in the Persian Empire. And he was talking about uh, paralleling Iran then to Iran today and what's taking place. And by the way, Iran is not, uh, they're not wanting to refine uranium just to have nice power plants um, but he was paralleling what's going on there then and what's going you know what's going on there now and and, and also the rise of evil and and what took place and then he went back to Nazi Germany as well he's talking about his book uh, escape from Auschwitz uh, which is coming out and um, and then he got into something that you know obviously hits close to home with us and the fact that uh, we're nearing in the next couple of years uh, we'll hit 60 million abortions in the United States. 60 million, which is 10 times more than Hitler killed Jews in death camps. 10 times more. I mean, do you really think that escapes God's attention? Not one soul escapes his attention, much less 60 million. And these things, idolatry in our nation, which is rampant. Why do you think that you know, church attendance went from 47% down to 25%? Because America doesn't have time for God. And nor did Israel, nor did the uh, people there in Jerusalem in Ezekiel's day. And we've got uh, the reason why we have all the debt in our country is based on covetousness. That's what it is. It's covetousness. We've all been guilty of it, too. I mean, we, it's not like you can point the finger everywhere else. We can point it at ourselves, too. We've all been guilty of covetousness. Collectively. Divorce. and Malachi, God says he hates divorce. Now, if you're divorced and you're remarried, you know, praise God for the new covenant of grace, and, and God can take all that, and all the years the locust ate away, he can recover all that, and that's great. But that doesn't mean that we should just keep on doing it as a country. And now even fewer of our fellow Americans are even getting married. Uh, people are just saying, I don't, why even get married at all? Which is a very European model now. Just don't even get married. Just uh, have perpetual relationships as long as you want. And when they don't work out, you don't have to have to worry about the paperwork. Uh, but God doesn't see it that way. Redefining of marriage, You know, the proliferation of uh, mind-altering drugs and all the things that are going on, America's 24-7 entertainment. Remember when there was like six channels on your TV? You know, when I grew up, you had to have the pliers, you know, and you had the tinfoil and all that stuff. Looking back, that was a good thing because it kept you from thinking you had to be entertained 24-7. And it was even exercise to go up with the pliers and have to turn the channel, were we the only ones that had that kind of really nice TV? Or did anyone else did anyone else relate to me? Yeah. Maybe it was the way that if it fell apart enough you'd have to go buy another one. I don't know, but we we wouldn't buy another one. It was just deal with it. Wanna watch it? You got And no, our kids don't even know what the UFS channel is or whatever. Remember the U on there? They don't know what the U is. Two channels are on the U, I think. And they weren't good either. But while America's being entertained, people are planning to take planes. People are refining uranium. Dictators are testing the international community to expand their borders. Plotting against the dollar. All this stuff, I'm, This isn't. this is real, actual, factual stuff that's all taking place. And this doesn't even account for all the other things. I was reading, um, uh, I I still subscribe to Computer World, Uh, I was reading an article in it the other day about um, uh, the drought in California. And the drought in California, some of you may have family out in California, you might be familiar, it's very severe. Uh, Some of the lakes are down to like 17% of their original size. Severe. And it's a desert to begin with. Uh, as you know. Uh, so the drought is very severe, and they're talking about using things like uh, you know, big data and all these software analytics to make best use of the water. And the fact that you know, they've figured out all these software ways to use it. You know the best You know the best way to get more water is to repent and let God pour rain on your country. Now, I'm all for Nice software solutions. I worked in that industry. I understand that stuff. I think it's pretty cool. But God, you really think, I mean, we couldn't stop two guys in Boston that were here for a couple of years on a visa and were on YouTube saying what they were going to do and were receiving, uh what were they receiving? They were receiving benefits from the state. We couldn't stop that. And we, we, a lot of our folks, put a lot of trust that we can actually prevent anything from taking place. We can't prevent anything. And we can prevent a drought with better software? Well, they didn't say prevent it. They said work through it. But a better solution is for God to actually bless because we actually say, Lord, forgive us and turn from our sins. This is the warning that ultimately, uh, ultimately that, the Lord is going to have Ezekiel deliver. But ignorance is bliss. A lot of people say, I, I just, I'm happy not knowing anything. I don't want to be warned uh, warn somebody else. I don't want to be uh, thinking about these things. But you and I, when we have those opportunities to just share the truth, just invite someone to church, just say, you know, just mention the name of Jesus. Get in the habit of stepping outside of our comfort zone. Paul said in uh, Acts eighteen six. But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garment and said, "Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From now on, I go to the Gentiles." Paul knew this passage. I, I have no doubt that Paul understood that this was already said to Ezekiel. Paul knew. He lived his life to say, "Wherever I go." I want to be humble, I want to be gracious, I want to be friendly but I also want to warn people in love he said have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth it's not going to help anybody to not tell them the truth. Well let's uh, wrap up Uh, I only have a couple things to say about this last um, point waiting. The spirit entered me Uh, actually, let's look at verse 22, the hand of the Lord was upon me there and said, arise, go out in the plain, I will talk with you. So I rose and went out in the plain and he sees the glory of the Lord again, which we looked at in uh, in chapters 1. The Spirit entered me and said, uh, set me on my feet and spoke and says, go shut yourself inside your house. And then he's told that what's going to happen, they're eventually going to put ropes around you so you can't go out among them. That that's, that's when you know they really don't want to hear you, when they tie ropes around you and leave you in your house. Uh, that's, that's a pretty good clue that uh, uh, we don't want to hear from you anymore. I'll make your tongue cling to the roof of your mouth, you shall be mute and not uh, be one to rebuke them for they are a rebellious house. And then the Lord says he was going to mute not not the people here. Now the Lord says, I will mute your mouth so you won't be able to speak to them. They, in other words, they don't even deserve to hear this at this point. God says, I'm, I'm the one going to mute. But when I speak with you, I will open your mouth. And we see something here that um, God tells us things to do, uh, but it's always in God's timing. Sometimes He's going to have us be really, really straightforward, bold. And other times God's saying, not right now. And we have to, those of us in the, under the new covenant, uh, under the blood of Jesus and the grace, we have the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom. There's times where uh, you're casting your pearls among swine. You've said something, and now it's time to just be quiet and be a bright light. It's just times that that's what the Lord wants you to do. And there's other times where the Lord says, speak very forthright, very boldly. Uh, But both should be done in love and not fear. Both should be done under the leading of the Holy Spirit that uh, we're listening to the Lord. There's times where we need to just say something other times. The Lord says, wait a little bit longer. And sometimes I've, I've been in times where, for me, this isn't something that stretches over maybe months it could be in a one-hour lunch with someone the lord says don't say anything for this amount of time let them say all these things and then when you do say something i only want you to say one very specific thing just one measured thing don't read a book to them because i I could do that easily it's kind of in my nature but the lord says no no no. i'm going to mute you for a little bit here for a week for a good reason and it's good for us to wait on the Lord. Let Him speak to us, and when it's time to speak, to also be patient when when God it's things that God you 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 had you called me to do this over here, but it, this isn't working right. This isn't working right. This isn't working right. You want me to speak to Him now? I'm tied up in ropes. How will this ever happen? And God says, "Be patient." James 5.8, You also be patient. Establish your hearts. For the coming of the Lord at hand. God said that at the right time, I'll then move you from chapter 4 to chapter 5. From chapter 5 to chapter 6. In the book of your life, if you will. That God will move us through the next door. Sometimes it doesn't feel that way. Listen to this, um, I'm coming to a close here. I have two quotes I want to read to you. That just about being patient, even though some of God's ways perplex us at times. You know, is that just me? Or maybe you too. This was written by a Confederate soldier uh, during the Civil War. Um, And this is what he wrote. I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I may learn to humbly obey. I asked God for health that I may do greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I may be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing I asked for, but everything I hoped for. I am, among all men, most richly blessed. Written by a Civil War Confederate soldier. And when we learn to trust that God's timing... God's ways. Yes, I'm sending you out, Ezekiel. You're going to be a watchman. You're going to have to warn people. And oh, by the way, you're going to have to wait on my timing because some of these things don't look like they're working. The timing may not work to you. But keep the message. When I open your mouth, speak it. When I close it, pray. That's really the best thing you and I can do, right? When we don't have an answer and God's quieted the situation or we're not having here and what we... Just pray. F.B. Meyer, last quote, I'll quote, he said this, Ah, afflicted one, your disabilities were meant to unite with God's enablings, your weakness to mate with His power. God's grace is at hand sufficient, and at its best when human weakness is most profound. Appropriate it, and learn that those who wait on God are stronger in their weakness than the sons of men in their stoutest health and vigor." He wrote in the 1800s, so you've got to understand that. But this is why the Spirit of the Lord, it says, the Spirit entered me, and the hand of the Lord was upon me in weakness, in not understanding, in fear. Lord, I'm not even sure I'm going to be able to say the things you're asking me to say. All those things we rely on the Holy Spirit to take us and move us forward. Amen.